Hi, everybody, and welcome to RV Miles, your home for RV and camping news, reviews, travel guides, and more. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby, and this is episode 53 of the RV Miles podcast. To get today's show notes, you can head over to rvmiles.com slash podcast. RV Miles can also be found on social media at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And Jason and I, along with Jack, Ethan, and Henry, are over at OurWanderingFamily.com. And we are also on YouTube, Pinterest, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. On today's show, Road Schooling 101. We get a lot of questions about road schooling, and it's time to just do an episode about it and talk about it. As most of you know, we are full-time travelers and we school our children on the road. Or our children school (laughs) us. And many of us that do this call it road schooling. So we're going to talk about the ins and outs of road schooling, how to get started, what some of the basics are, and how it sort of impacts our lives. That and we've got some news items. We've got a new brain teaser, the answer to last week's brain teaser, and a whole lot more. But first... This episode is sponsored by L.L. Bean. Yes, it is. And L.L. Bean believes the more time you spend outside together, the better. And that's why they design products that make it easier to take longer walks, have deeper talks, and never worry about the weather. Discover clothing, outerwear, footwear, and gear made for every type of adventure with the outside built right in. Because on the inside, we're all outsiders, and you can be an outsider with L.L. Bean. And if you want to, I highly encourage you to either check it out or even start tagging it. They have a great hashtag. It's one of, I think, the more creative hashtags out there when it comes to sort of nature or outdoor adventuring. And it's be an outsider, but it's all one word because it's a hashtag. So it looks like bean outsider. And I just think that is such a cool play, not only on their name, but just really sort of gives you exactly what they're talking about. And that is to be an outsider. Yeah, we're trying to tag it on everything that we do lately since we've gotten involved with them. And we've really had some conversations with them and we just really like what L.L. Bean is interested in as a company. And I think if you sort of follow the hashtag and and some of their social media and what they're doing, it's a lot more than just, you know, trying to sell you outdoor gear they're they're a very responsible company and really are involved in how people live their lives in the outdoors and i think that's great i do too i agree and they did not pay us to say that that is strictly (laughs) us just saying that (laughs) they paid us for the stuff before that but not that (laughs) but not that little thing i tagged on the end they didn't pay us for that i'll own that as my own thoughts (laughs) not paid thoughts all right let's do the news First, we want to mention, as we do every week, we have a new episode of the America's National Parks podcast out, and this one was special. It was really special, and I've said it a few times in different places on social media, but it was a really hard one to get through for me as the storyteller, at least the first story, because it is this week is focusing on rangers, four different stories, or three different stories, I should say about National Park Service rangers because July 31st of every year is designated World Ranger Day. Yeah, so we've got three three stories. One of a young firefighter who lost his life and caused a lot of changes in the way 
firefighters plan out emergency management in a fire. And it really struck home for us now because of all the fires that are happening right now. Uh, and, and also and the I'm, firefighters that are out there fighting them. Yeah. And the unfortunate loss of life that has happened because of these wildfires that these individuals are out there battling against and trying to control and manage. Yeah. So I guess let's just move right into our news items, which really are the, the fires that are burning out in California. Mainly there's the car fire, C-A-R-R, which is in Northern California, which is actually near where this young ranger lost his life 10 years ago. And there's 4,000 firefighters fighting it. It's one of the worst fires in California history. It's so hot, it has created its own weather and patterns. It's incredible. I think I saw a picture of, and I'm not going to say this correctly, and I should have looked it up before I started talking about it, but a smoke tornado? A fire tornado. Fire tornado. The picture that I saw of this fire tornado was unlike anything I had ever seen before. I'll be honest, I actually didn't know there was such a thing as a fire tornado. And that kind of blew my mind a little bit. Also, I think with this particular fire as well, they are now bringing in firefighters from other countries. There's some firefighters from Australia and New Zealand who are giving their time to come over here to our country and help us battle. One of the things that I, I think is important to remember is that a lot of these rangers and firefighters that are fighting these fires live in these areas. Yeah. You know, we often think of park rangers in particular as people not being from the area that they might, you know, they might've traveled a long way to come and work this job. But a lot of these people live and work in these areas and not only have two firefighters lost their lives in the last several days, but several have lost their homes. Yeah. You know, they're still out there fighting these fires and and their homes and, and their, their families', families. Homes have burned. Four thousand, I think no, a thousand structures have burned, I believe. I might have that number wrong. Uh it might be more than that, but it was at least a thousand structures have burned in in the car fire. And this ties back to also the America's Nas- National Parks podcast for this week, because one of the stories in there also features the four rangers who really risked their lives to save individuals during the flood that happened in and, amount, in and around the Ozarks last year in the Ozark National Scenic. Yeah, that was almost exactly a year ago to the Ozark National Scenic Riverways uh, on the current river and, uh, and the other river there. I can't remember its name offhand, but these four rangers were trained in swift water rescues which they often have to do during the summer and the busy season. They, you know, there's, there's an accident and they need to go out and rescue somebody. They would often do one of these a week. Uh, well, the, the floods last year in that area, the river got to 10 feet above its historic high. And its historic high had been holding that number for over a hundred years. Yeah, 1904. And, yeah. and they just, they figured out afterwards that this was a thousand year flood event. It's a really amazing story. And why I was tying that back to what we were just talking about with the car fire is that three out of four of these rangers in this Ozark flood 
were from that area, had graduated high school in that area. Their families, their homes were impacted yeah. by this massive- They were massive, cut off from their families. And they were. And, and they still risked their lives through power lines and rising floodwaters. And they saved in that span of one night, 30 people, men, women, and children, while they had really no idea what was happening with their own loved ones and in their own homes. And I think- it's nice that we can honor these people, not just once a day, but every day. And I really appreciated that we were able to find these stories and help celebrate these individuals who do this tirelessly every day. So we do hope you'll check that episode out. Uh, we also want to mention that the Ferguson fire has Yosem- the Yosemite Valley and uh, Mariposa Grove were uh were scheduled to be opened back up when we had talked last time but they are now closed until at least august 5th uh due to the unhealthy conditions in the area with all the smoke and then and the fire is really is closing in all right in in completely different news let's uh get away from some of the tragedy for a little bit here uh i wanted to mention uh this new system from Chevy, new Chevy trucks. They have announced this thing called the advanced trailering system. And what, what this does, it is a package that comes standard on LTZ and high country trim Silverado pickups. And it's available on, on most of their other trims. This is a package specifically for towing that is supposed to make it less painful to tow a trailer. And uh, a couple of things that they've added is that the rear view camera now has what they call hitch view. So you can actually look down at the hitch as you're backing up to your trailer. So you can line your hitch up and then it has guidelines in the reversing display that are to help you line your hitch up with your uh, with your ball. Once you're in alignment, it has auto parking brake assist, uh, which turns on automatically when the hitch view is being used. And then they have built in tire pressure monitoring. So, you know, before you, your most vehicles now, nowadays have tire pressure monitoring. So your pickup truck, when you buy it, it has tire pressure monitoring, but it doesn't have the tire pressure monitoring for your trailer. And you normally have to get a separate system. For that right so what they have done is included that in in the uh in the display in the truck so you don't have to have a separate display a separate system and it can monitor your trailer tires and your trailer tire temperatures and the pressure and everything which should help prevent some heat related blowups you know you see you see your your heat rising on a tire you know there's something wrong with it the bearings going bad or something like that and and you can pull over and stop boy if there was ever a sign that rving has become incredibly popular it's this right here yeah they are chevy a huge manufacturer is actually creating a product specifically targeting For RVers. long haul towing yeah. you know i mean trucks the thing that people don't really realize is that, you know, yeah, there are all these trucks out there. They're building them for the short haul driver. 
yes, they're used all the time for long hauls. And yes, they, they plan that you will use them, but their focus has been, you know, you're taking stuff from one job site to another, or you're hauling stuff from the home Depot to, to build a, a deck in your backyard. They're really focusing recently, and we've seen this in some of the stuff that Ford came out with earlier this year. They're really focusing on the long haul, and most of that means RVers. They're also really focusing on trying to get Jason Epperson into a truck. (laughs) I'm never going to hear the end of it now. All right, that's the news for the week. Now it's time for our app of the week. App of the week. The week. App of the week. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Boom, boom, boom. I still... <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to hire a full-time voiceover actor to come in and do like a Jason's app of the week. Do they really need to be full-time? I mean, that's like five <laughs> minutes worth of work, right? But... <laughs> A full-time voiceover actor as opposed to a part-time one, I don't even know what that means, will give me what I want in one take. (laughs) (laughs) Unlike me when I sit down to do America's National Parks podcast and I'm five or six takes in before we actually get what we're looking for. So the app I want to recommend this week actually goes sort of hand in hand with, uh, with the National Park Service and all the different agencies out there. This app is called Avenza and it's A-V-E-N-Z-A. Avenza is a collection of like every map you could possibly think of. And a lot of them cost money. Is Middle Earth in there? <laughs> no. You just no. said every map I could possibly think of. And I'm just wondering if Middle so, Earth is in there. No, if you want like, you know, the topographical map of a certain area in a national forest, for a hike, you can go on there and find it. It has just all, any public map that they can find. They have jammed into there and a lot of private ones as well. But some of them are free. And what is great, what is really useful for for RVers is, you know, boondocking in national forests is, uh, it's a, well, it's a great place to do it. There's almost every forest preserve allows you to boondock or dispersed camp but what you're supposed to do is go to the ranger station and get what's called a motor vehicle use map which tells you where you can park and avenza has them all built in and those are free so you can go into avenza it's a little clunky it's a little weird as an app uh, because it's got a website as well and stuff but you can go in and you can find the motor vehicle use maps for every single uh, national forest. Do you think Avenza recommends trying to camp on a pull-off on the side of a mountain near the <laughs> Vegas area? Because I know some people that tried to do that once and it really didn't work out too well for them. They probably could have used that Avenza app. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just it saying. It would have been nice to know about that back then. Wouldn't it? Because yeah. That was the first thing I thought of was, wow, really wish we had had that about three months ago. That's the app of the week. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll have the answer to last week's brain teaser. Be right back.
All right, we're back with the answer to last week's brain teaser. It went like this. Consider this curious sequence of seemingly unconnected characters and their corresponding colors. If C equals blue and the letter P equals green, the letter T equals brown, what does the letter B equal? People really liked this one. This was an in- this might have been our most popular brain teaser ever. The answer is black and yellow. Because the letters are homonyms. So the the letter C, the C, the ocean, the C is blue. The letter P, a P, the vegetable is green. The letter T, T the drink is brown. And B is a B. B's are black and yellow. (laughs) You have this huge smile on your face. Gotcha. You you really, really liked this one. (laughs) This one was, this is such a Jason brain teaser. This was really, you were in your wheelhouse this week. (laughs) All right. The winner this week is Stephanie Vendefo from Nebraska. An apology, Stephanie, if we don't say your last name. I'm almost certain I said it wrong. Probably, but that's still a really cool last name, so. We will have the new brain teaser at the end of the show. It's time to talk road schooling. It is, but first. We can have a, we can have a, we can have a, we can have a, a, an announcer dude come and do that too. Road schooling. No, that's, there's the line and then you just stepped over it. <laughs> too much announcer is, is overwhelming. It's overwhelming. This segment is sponsored by Boondockers Welcome, built by RVers for RVers. Boondockers Welcome offers a unique and inspiring way to travel, connecting you, the RVer, with welcoming local hosts that have overnight parking to spare. Boondockers Welcome is built on the spirit that kindness and generosity abound. For only $30 a year, you too can arrange as many stays as you'd like to pass the night with those who love the RV lifestyle as much as you do. And best of all, Boondockers Welcome is offering RV Miles listeners 10% off an annual guest privilege subscription with coupon code RV Miles. That's all one word, RV Miles. That's 10% off an annual guest subscription. So sign up today. At boondockerswelcome.com, you're all thrown off because we, we flipped. Did you not? <laughs> we did flipped. you get it? Did you catch it? We <laughs> we we did it backwards. We flipped who was going to read what this week. <laughs> and you missed boondockerswelcome.com. At boondockerswelcome.com. Don't write that down if you're traveling down the road. Go to the show notes at rvmiles.com slash podcast. And on every episode uh, show notes, we put the sponsors in at the top and you can click on their links there. Okay. Road schooling 101. Road schooling 101. What does that mean exactly? Pretty self-explanatory, actually. (laughs) It's homeschooling on the road. You take the show on the road. (laughs) It can also mean letting your travels influence the education or the education influenced. I think that's necessary that the travel is part of the schooling. Yeah. Or for some, the education is influencing the travel. They are setting out on the road. Yeah. specifically for educational purposes. So they are making decisions to travel to places that they want to bring to life 
for their learner. Yeah. But some in some way, if you're if you're saying you're road schooling in some way, the travel is part of your schooling. You're not just homeschooling at the table and not including the world. Yeah. You're not reading a book about Mount Rushmore, but then not looking at Mount Rushmore. So like all forms of homeschooling, though, it really takes on the shape that you as the family unit want it to take on. It's so varied across the board. It's like road schooling, homeschooling, unschooling. In some way, they're all interconnected with one another because the goal is always the same. It's the child or children at home being led through their education or helping guide their education with their parent and that's or caregiver. And that's the greatest thing about homeschooling or road schooling is that it can be tailored to the child. And that's probably the biggest reason that we do it. Absolutely. We have differently abled kids who learn. They aren't, I guess, for lack of a better word, traditional learners. And so that really influenced our decision to begin a homeschool lifestyle that eventually then transferred onto the road. If this is something that you are thinking of and you are coming in at ground level, you have, you're not transitioning from homeschool to road school, but you're transitioning from a public or private education into an education on the road. The very first thing you need to do is check the laws of your state regarding homeschooling. And you can do that by going to the homeschool Legal Defense Association's website, hslda.com. And there you will find, because every state varies from you have to have them tested every year to there is absolutely nothing you have to do. We don't even want to know about you. Enjoy your journey like in Illinois. (laughs) In some places, it can vary from county to county, from school district to school district. Mm -hmm. In some places, you have to file lesson plans. It can can change drastically depending on where you are, which is one of the reasons most full-timers who homeschool domicile, that means that the state they choose as their home state in Texas, because Texas is one of the most lenient states. They choose Florida a lot, too, because even though Florida requires testing annually, uh, it's not that big of a deal because you can do it through uh, what they call an umbrella school. And there are umbrella schools there that are set up by homeschoolers specifically for this purpose. Yeah, we keep our Illinois state residency not because we love the state of Illinois and, you know, we all know Illinois is having some serious issues right now, but because we love Illinois homeschool laws because there are none. So that's really our main reason for not having moved our domicile to Texas. So coming in at ground level, go to hslda.com, find out what your state's laws are, then let that influence the way you begin to shape your road schooling journey, your homeschooling journey. Another great resource, because believe me, there are about a thousand different ways, if not more, that you can homeschool your child. Curriculum, no curriculum, nature-based, science-based, music-based. I mean, you name it and you can find a curriculum that's 
based around it. And if you want to go down the rabbit hole of all the curriculum that's out there, go to homeschool.com and you can start checking out everything that's available. You will probably be surprised by how much homeschool curriculum is out there if you need want to go a curriculum route. Yeah, so let's talk about that for a second. Uh, a lot of people, when they start out this type of lifestyle, they want to ha- they want to have it all planned out. They want to buy a big expensive curriculum that's going to cover everything for them. They want to have school days on Monday through Friday. They want to have them uh, certain hours of every day, and that's fine. That could that might be what your family needs. But I think one of the biggest things we can recommend is that you don't plan it all in advance until you understand what works best for your family. And the best way you can do that is to take some time off. Absolutely. De-school. De-school. That is the key right there. That was the best piece of advice I was given from another homeschool parent as we were beginning our journey. And they said to me, you need to take some time and you need to de-school. What that means is that you transition from whatever school environment you're coming from into this new homeschool road school environment and you do nothing. You take a break, you take a vacation, you sleep in, you play games, you hang out with your kids, you travel. If you're working from home, you work from home. You just do life. Just just do life. And that can be for three weeks, four weeks, 12 weeks, whatever you need, whatever your children need to get out of the rhythm of what you're coming from. For us, we were coming from a public school that was 35 hours a week. He was six years old when we started homeschooling. And we took three solid months to just play, to get to know our homeschool community in Chicago. And I did nothing with them that was scheduled or curriculum based. And yet we were still learning for those three months. We were organically learning. And even when we started into more of a routine, we didn't just throw it all in at once. You ease into it after that. Absolutely. And I would suggest that, too, if you are coming from a sticks and bricks homeschool environment into a long term road school environment. I did not follow my own advice there because I didn't think we would need that de-school transition. I, I didn't think it was going to be difficult to make that jump. And it was. It's just like any time you have a new major life shift. The family needs time to orientate itself. There's a lot to learn jumping into a full-time RV lifestyle. Oh, yeah. You just, you're learning how to live small. You're learning how to manage the RV. You're learning how to travel and work at the same time. There's a lot to figure out. And fitting school in with that, especially if you haven't even started homeschooling yet, to like just take your kids out of public school go full-time RVing and try to continue school immediately right away. It is a terrible idea. It's going to be very, very difficult on your family and nobody's going to be happy with this lifestyle. So 
take some time to figure it out and uh, and learn how to RV first, learn yeah. how to live, learn how to live together in 200 square feet. Yeah. Learn how to have travel days that don't feel so incredibly stressful and you just find yourself wondering why on earth are we doing this? Get over that hump first and then start thinking about what the educational need is. And I would say then when you're looking at road schooling, I personally see it as three different ways you could go about it. Of course, everyone else might see it differently. But in my mind, there are three sort of categories that you can put road schooling into. And those are curriculum-based learning, unschooling, and then the melting pot of just somewhere in the middle between those two. So it's kind of a spectrum of traditional curriculum-based learning then unschooling, which we'll talk about in a second, and the different levels in between there that you could be falling at. Absolutely. And with curriculum-based learning, that really means that you are taking the curriculum with you on the road. Uh, If you choose to do Charlotte Mason, Waldorf, Abeka, you know, Saxon math, maybe some sort of online, you can, even in some schools, school districts, I should say, you can do an online homeschool program that falls in line with your public school. So perhaps that's something you want to do. Especially if you are doing something like planning on taking a year to travel and then putting your kids back in school, that might be a really good option. I know Illinois offers that where they even give you a computer and textbooks and stuff, but you have to be careful about that because it is you you are then subject to working directly with the school and following their routine and you don't have the freedom that you have to figure things out on your own so much with homeschooling absolutely it also requires you to have excellent wi-fi access yeah at all times we have been both online curriculum educators and we have been book-focused educators with our kids. Our kids, especially Ethan, our now eight-year-old, really loved a program called Reading Eggs and Math Seeds. Those were online-based curriculums focusing, obviously, on reading and math. He really loved those. I wish we could have continued that for him on the road, but it was not realistic because, again, it is Wi-Fi-based. It's online-based. In all honesty, I tend to be a more, if I'm going to do curriculum with the boys, I tend to prefer it in book form. I like to be old school. I like to have them working in a book, handwriting, you know, things of that nature. There's a lot of hate for workbooks out there. There's so much, there's so much hate. I'm going to tell you, there are some really cool workbooks out there. Our kids use these Star Wars math and writing and, uh, books that are of their interest they love star wars yeah and everything that they do in these workbooks every math problem is you know on a star wars worksheet how many x-wings plus how many x-wings and we're not talking about like something that's put out by disney and lucasfilm we're talking about workbooks that are put out by really well respected curriculum companies that have licensed you know these cartoon characters and and movie characters to be used as part of it. So there are all sorts of 
wonderful options out there. I think one of the things that I see people doing a lot in some of the Facebook groups that we're in and stuff is going out and spending a lot of money on a curriculum and then deciding they don't like it. So I really think even if you are going to end up in that route, you'd start with some of these things like workbooks and stuff and figuring out which ones are working for your kids, which type of learning is working the best for your kids. Absolutely. And it's the time of year right now at Target where they have these fantastic $1 workbooks that I have purchased. And I actually just picked up one for Henry today that is pre-K, K numbers, really short, really sweet. And if he ends up not liking it, it's not working for us. I only spent a dollar on it. But he was asking me the other day for a workbook. And we'll talk later in the next segment about how we do schooling, but we do prescribe to an unschooling method. So my kid came to me, asked me he wanted a workbook. So I want to provide him with that style of education. That's what he's into right now. This is a great place to go. It's Target $1 workbook. We're said and done. Curriculum-based learning, too, I'll say one more thing before we move on, can be a little bit difficult for the road schooling lifestyle if it's requiring you to take a lot of curriculum with you. So that's really something to consider as you're making this transition is how many workbooks does this particular curriculum require? And does it require me then to order more as the grades continue or as the um, school year continues. And then if I do have to order more, do I order them all now or do I try to set it up where I can pick them up when we're visiting a family member, things of that nature. It can sometimes be difficult to get packages on the road. All right. We're, we're sort of in the weeds a little bit. Let's back up to bigger picture. Unschooling. It's a word. A lot of you maybe have heard, uh, To a lot of people, it sounds like we just don't do school and they just learn whatever they randomly learn. What's unschooling? So it is essentially kind of the complete opposite of a curriculum-based education. It is still an education, though. And another way to look at it or another name for it is child-led learning. And I kind of prefer that a little bit more to unschooling because it really is driven by the interest of the child as opposed to this is what the curriculum tells me we should be following this school year. This is what the child is telling me we should be following this school year. And this is, this is what we do for the most part. There are areas where every once in a while we will plug in some curriculum with our boys. If we feel like we just want to kind of check in with them and see how things are going. But for the most part, Our kids lead the way here. We listen to what they're interested in and we let them deep dive into topics. You know, Jack is really, really into music right now. Maybe not in the way that we want him to be interested in it, but he is. And we give him the freedom to explore that in the way that best works for him. Ethan is very much in love with the musical Cats right now. I mean, the child cannot get enough of this musical. It has led him to want to know more about dance. 
it has led him to want to know more about stage makeup and how you create shadowing. And we have let him deep dive into that. And it has opened doors to, with dance, it opens doors to math. Now, that doesn't mean that we just wait for our kids to say, I want to learn about something, right? So we, we're putting stuff in front of them constantly. We're trying things. We're learning the basics about something and seeing if they want to get into it more. It doesn't mean that Ethan is going to just learn about stage makeup for the next It doesn't 10 mean years. Ethan's turning into a cat. <laughs> it just means he's really into it. It just means we, those are the things that we focus on. And sometimes it's as a family. Sometimes it's not just what the child is leading. It's it's just where we're at at the time. Uh, you know, if we're in a specific national park and they have certain animals or geological features and uh, our kids as a, a group get led into something, we'll focus on that. Uh, we're learning too. You know, a yeah. lot of it is about us lifetime learning. learning, the five of us as a family learning about new things together. Let's jump out of unschooling for a little bit, because I think we'll talk more about that in the next segment. But the final kind of category that I see is the somewhere in the middle where you're not doing a full on curriculum. You're not following a curriculum structure for your year, but you're also not completely comfortable with following your child's lead 100%. So you're a little mix of both. You might be more unschooling one week, maybe more a little bit curriculum heavy the next week. I think that that is an absolutely fantastic place to be. I don't think we need to apply labels to what kind of educators we are. If that works for your family, that's fantastic. I have way too much curriculum in the bus because I couldn't, when we were transitioning into bus life, I couldn't leave it behind. I wanted to embrace unschooling, but I was personally afraid to leave all of that curriculum behind and not have it there as my personal safety blanket. We have hardly touched it. Yeah. And yet I still find that I cannot let it go. Yeah, well, I, some of it is uh, some of it is stuff we touch on here and there. You know, it's all, also okay to do something for a week and not come back to it for another year. That's okay, That's and that totally, happens. Yeah, uh, you know, if, if your kid isn't interested in something, uh, you try again a year later and see if they're interested in that that sort of stuff. So it's okay to hold on to some of that stuff, and I don't mind that we have a, a space for it, especially as our younger kids get older and we start to figure out what their interests develop into. Yeah. And we did designate a storage space in the bus when we were putting it together specifically for curriculum. So that is kind of what I feel, what Jason and I feel is sort of an overview of road schooling. So why don't we take a break? Then when we come back, we'll kind of talk about what our road schooling journey looks like on the road. We'll be right back. So what does road schooling look like for the Eppersons? 
And I'm actually, I'm actually asking you, Jason, (laughs) what does road schooling look like for us? Because (laughs) I started to write down sort of the show notes for today and I got about three lines in for this segment. And I was like, that's all I got. (laughs) You know, I think one of the things is it changes. You know, we don't have a routine, um, which is part of what unschooling is. Um, and that's sort of the, that half of what we do. We sort of do, like we said before, fall somewhere in between curriculum learning and unschooling, but probably a lot closer to unschooling yeah, than I'd anything else. Yeah, I'd say we're else. like 90% yeah, we're, unschooling We're pretty much point. there. Yeah. Uh, other than, I mean, really, we, we put in, like, really... The, the curriculum stuff is a bit of math, learning how to read and, and letters. And even learning how to read is like books can be on any manner of subjects, you know? Yeah. So it, it's a little bit ethereal. Uh, for, and, and, it, and it changes, the, the, the amount of it changes. We could be in a location and really deep diving into something. But the big picture is what you're trying to do when you're more of an unschooler is make as many experiences as you can be learning experiences. So it's, you know, getting, getting your kids to find the, find the education within everyday things that you do. Yeah. I would also say that that feels really exhausting when you say it like that, and it can be, I, if someone came up to me, yes, if someone came up to me and said, that's, you know, this is unschooling and everything you do has to be a learning moment. The pressure would be just, it'd be so overwhelming yeah. that I'd say, uh-uh. And I, I think where's the nearest curriculum. I think some unschoolers do that and, and maybe that's okay for them. That would be too much for us it is too much for us we do not do that right no some of them say you know we what we do you know if somebody says unschooling isn't school they'll say what we do is school all the time everything is school and for us everything can be school it doesn't mean everything is school. No, sometimes everything is just watching Stampy on YouTube yep. play Minecraft. That's just what it is. And hey, maybe something amazing is going on on that Stampy video because like millions of kids are watching him. <laughs> but sometimes that's just what the kids are doing. They're just watching Stampy on YouTube. And I'm not going to try and pull an educational moment out of that. For us, our life on the road is really our education is really guided by our travels. I would say that's the one thing about us Mm -hmm. that I 100% can say. We really focus on that. Absolutely. And with that comes a really strong focus on the junior ranger program because so much of our travel is national park focused and driven. We really want to try and get to as many national park sites as we can. We, We head the bus that way every single trip. So the boys always do a junior ranger program at every park that they go to, whether or not we're there at that park for three hours or we're there at that park for three weeks. Sometimes that means if we're only there for a half a day, sometimes that does mean that we put that junior ranger booklet ahead of maybe perhaps Jason and I's own desires, which is to 
get out on a trail and do a long, lengthy trail with the kids or perhaps there's a drive we don't get to make or whatever it is. The Junior Ranger book gets the first focus. Yeah. And and we often go beyond the Junior Ranger book, um, A, by making them usually do the whole thing, uh, which is usually very achievable, usually achievable. And they usually enjoy it. Usually, usually. <laughs> uh, because a lot of the junior ranger programs, they only have to do so many of the assignments in it. And we usually do the whole thing. Uh, but we also, we try to attend ranger led programs that are specifically meant for kids, but not necessarily sometimes just for anybody, uh, uh, with the kids as much as possible. And, and we try to focus on, uh, the, the different types of things that that national park service sites offers in terms of U S history, um, geology, ecology, uh, environment and science. There are all sorts of different subjects that, that those different parks in the national park service system can lead into. So, um, the junior ranger book is often just a jumping off point. And we are not opposed to using other methods to kind of bring our kids into the world. Like I was thinking you were talking about American history. Our kids, Jack said the other day, he was looking at these who are, or who is books or what was books. And he goes, oh, there's one on Alexander Hamilton. I don't need to read that though, because we have been listening to Hamilton, the musical, and I already know all about Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> and I said, well, okay, fair enough. There's probably a few more things. You there might, might be, know. there might be a few more things in there that might be of interest to you. It's something to think about, but I know we're specifically right now looking for these books on mu musicians yeah. because that's really what he's into right now. But I love the fact that just through our personal love of musicals and wanting to listen to that stuff, then the kids are picking up on a few things. The same with the kids love the slow-mo guys. Like they love on YouTube. If you do not watch the slow-mo guys, you need to watch the slow-mo guys. I didn't think watching things in slow motion could actually be entertaining. Like Or educational. Or educational. And, and it really can be. It really can be. They do a pretty solid job of giving a little bit of education there and what they're doing. Kids love that. You know, another one that we watch as a family that I actually think is really great for educational purposes is The Amazing Race. Yeah. We're big fans of The Amazing Race as a family. And yes, it's a reality television show. And sometimes there's manufactured drama for sure. But they're traveling around the world. And it opens up conversations about those locations. And you might be saying to yourself, okay, so you just sit and watch a TV show and that's how your kids and learn you do the, the countries you of the world. And <laughs> my, my answer to that might surprise you because you might expect that I'm going to say, no, no, no. We, then we take that and we, we, you know, learn more about the countries and we, we write things down. At the, no, actually. Yeah. That's what we do. That's what we do. That is actually a lot of, of a lot of what we do. That's not the only thing we do, but that, that is a lot of it. But here's the secret too, is that that's what a lot of people are actually doing. Yeah. And certainly we probably hesitated a little bit about how honest 
We want to be about our educational life because there is like a lot of things, the desire to present a really beautiful picture, again, of what education looks like with our kids. This, I always call it the Pinterest effect, like everything's really perfectly put together. Our travels are perfectly put together. Our children are perfectly put together. And Jason and I have it all wrapped up in a nice big bow. That is so far from the truth. And sometimes you just have to take that, you just have to close that Pinterest app and you just have to have real life. And real life for us is that we just kind of figure it out every single day. We figure out our kids' education every single day. And our kids are partners with us in that. And that sometimes requires me to trust a lot more than maybe I'm comfortable with. But I have to trust my kids and I have to trust this process and I have to trust the choices that we have made. And it's a lot of work, but you, you do, you just, you do have to get out of the mindset of thinking about public school and thinking that, wow, those kids are sitting there for seven hours a day and they're learning all this stuff for seven hours because the thing is, they're not, you know, they're, 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 they're they're learning. Of course they're learning a ton and I don't want to talk down about public school at all. And I had a great public school experience, but homeschooling, road schooling, unschooling, whatever it is. It, when you only have your kids, the time is so much more fruitful that they're, they're just getting a much deeper experience in a shorter amount of time, especially when you're out there traveling. So our kids have, have probably the best education on indigenous people of this country um, and ancient people. Uh, way better that, than you and I had, I would that say, for you sure. you could possibly get uh, at their ages because they have, they have been able to go to directly to the ancient dwellings of these people and learn about how they did things see it, touch it, feel it, smell it, breathe it. Climbing into a cliff dwelling I know. is so I know. different than doing a, a worksheet on it. But so, do the worksheet. If you can't climb into right. it, do the worksheet still. I mean, But that's the thing is you're going to have some experiences like this that are, are going to fill out uh, or, or going to dive deep into a specific area. And then you're going to have to fill out with other things, things that you can't do, things that your kids might be interested in that this life might take a little bit away from. And I don't, I don't want to paint it, you know, with rose colored glasses and say that, uh, that you're able to just go figure out whatever you want to figure out because there are sacrifices to living on the road. And sometimes that means your kids aren't going to be able to do certain things, you know, and, and you have to be okay with that and knowing that other things are are high, other things are amplified. Yeah, I would say right now a big conflict for me is I'm struggling with the fact that Ethan is really into dance right now and I have enough training that I can get him so far in certain styles, but then if he wants to continue that, he really needs an educator he needs to be in a school yeah 
And I'm really struggling with that because I'm trying to figure out how can we give that to him on the road? Is that if we're in a place for a couple of weeks, I go to a local dance school there and see if he can take those classes for the couple of weeks that we're there? Is that maybe perhaps seeing if there's some sort of an instructional online? I don't know. These are just the ramblings inside my head as I see a child that has a passion and a talent and I want to foster that and he wants it. So, hey, if you're listening and you've got got a suggestion on how you can travel on the road and give your kid regular dance classes and, and solid instruction, please let me know. I'd love to hear it. So that's us, I think. You know, we could probably yeah. wax on and on and on, but that's us and that's our educational life. Can we take a moment here to talk about a couple of the uh, the common questions that the people myths. have, the myths that, that, that people have about homeschooling, um, but the, the concerns that a lot of people, whether they're concerned about society in general or concerned about their kids and what they're going to do. Um, for instance, the number one thing that comes up all the time is, well, the what one thing I worry about is the socialization. Yeah. How are they getting socialized? How do you think that works for us? I think that it works on a place by place, campground by campground basis. We yeah. have made friends on the road, friends that we have met up with in other places on the road, friends that we look forward to seeing again on the road. We have, we use technology to keep the kids in touch with their friends back in Chicago. We mm -hmm. had a really rich homeschool community before we left the area. We use FaceTime and means of, of writing the kids write to each other to keep in touch. But I would say that our kids also have each other. Yeah. That's a big one. And I don't see anything wrong with that. But the really cool thing about being a kid is that you can make a friend wherever you go. Our kids make friends wherever they well, go. I, I was, I, I was horrible at making friends as a kid. Right. I like, I, I <laughs> could not go talk to people. Our kids, because of this lifestyle, can make friends in a heartbeat. There are kids outside playing. They will be friends with them. Yeah. It's, it's a given. It's nice. It's sort of like they have made friends all over the country. There are also for families who are traveling full-time. Full-time families is a fantastic resource, fulltimefamilies.com. You can become a member and you would be amazed at how many families are traveling full-time. They have rallies. They have member-only benefits that help connect families with one another, finders, things of that nature. They also have an excellent Facebook group. They actually have two Facebook groups, they one do. that anybody can join. So you can go that, join the full-time families Facebook group now without becoming a member. And then they have a members-only group as well. But we also just meet families. We It's not just our kids play with other kids at a campground. We often meet families that are doing what we're doing and then we go explore with them. You know, we, yeah. we spend time with them and go hiking with them and 
honestly have we, movie night with them <laughs> especially now because of social media we are able to keep those connections and our kids are able to connect with those kids we're able to find those families if we're in the same area as them which happens more often than you might think and then our kids also do things like our our oldest has has one of his closest friends lives in australia yeah and i mean they they met online and they skype there are there are just different ways to make it work and life isn't about going to homecoming dances you know no we also recognize too you know we're here right now in the quad cities visiting jason's family and then we are in just a few days heading to chicago we are heading to chicago not because necessarily we want to go to chicago we love chicago but we are going because we need to have face-to-face connection with friends jason and i need that with our friends our boys need it with their friends we recognized that they've been asking we specifically said then you know what they're asking this of us and we need to do it because it's important to them that they keep those connections and so when you think about a life on the road recognize that it might need to also include some trips home especially if your kids are leaving behind some friends that they really really love build in that time to make sure that those relationships continue to be fostered nurtured and bring the kids home if you can yeah. to visit you you would think that homeschooling would make kids less independent like i think that might be one of the myths too is that when they go to school they're kind of on their own and they're getting to figure things out on their own i think they're learning to be independent much more in this lifestyle or maybe just in a different way because they're learning about making these friendships quickly they're learning about new areas they're learning about traveling and and figuring out you know not being in the same home all the time figuring out different places quickly so i think they're getting a lot uh, of independence and from that sort of stuff learning to adapt yeah to new yeah, situations adaptability. what is another myth uh, one one of the questions we get often is sort of like you know, what happens when you get to the high school years, you, you know, you're no longer, <laughs> are you no, you're no lo- longer cool? You're no, no, you're no longer smart enough to be their teachers oh, well, yeah. in the high school years. <laughs> you know, the, the, the high school teachers have, you know, college degrees in their, in their fields and everything. What about high school years? I can't answer that question because I'm not really at the high school years, <laughs> but my parents got me through my high school years. I was homeschooled yeah. and I was homeschooled all the way through high school. My parents got me through the high school years. I went on to college, earned my BFA, sailed off into the world. It is, it, you can do it. I, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of families that do it every single year. When we get there, when we get to a point where we can't just immediately pull that information out of our heads and share it with our kids, then you know what? You and I are headed back to school, it looks like, you know, yeah. I don't know. We, well, you find the resources, you know, you, you find. Absolutely. There's, there are books on everything. Uh, yes, there, there are. There <laughs> so are, many. There are tutors for everything. There are, uh, there are lots of different. There's YouTube for there. everything. There's YouTube for everything. <laughs> Um, and you know, I, that I sort of, I think that sort of leads into what happens 
you know, then do they get a, how, how do they get a high school diploma and then go to college and must be very hard for them to get into colleges. And the fact is that homeschoolers in general, it is proven often do better than, you know, as a whole do better in college than the general population of public school kids. And they get accepted to more colleges because I think partially it's because of that independence and colleges are now looking for homeschool kids because they want them. They know that, you know, that these are kids that are often well, well beyond the education they're getting in, in public schools. And that's not to say, again, I just want to say, because we have both been teachers in our lives, teachers do amazing work, but they are saddled with gigantic class sizes. Lack of funding. Lack of funding. Lack of resources. They're, they're saddled with just getting through the day so much. And, and again, I had one of the best public school experiences that, uh, that I think a lot of kids have. Um, but I still am very happy that we've chose this path for our children. Well, we were on the front line of a lot of strife inside the public school system, having children inside Chicago public schools. I, Jack went off to kindergarten in 2012 and seven, eight days into that uh, school year, they were striking. Yeah. All right. So that's sort of how we live our lives as road schoolers. And, you know, we try not to make the podcast about that because, you know, we do have a lot of listeners that, that have kids and are doing that. But a lot of our listeners do not have kids or the their RV kids are lifestyle. or expand. It, it it's a rainbow. So many people. It's a so, rainbow of people doing so all thought, different kinds of things. So we thought we'd concentrate all this in sort of one episode and we might talk about it some more uh, in the future. But if you want more resources for, for this type of lifestyle, again, we'll point you to those, those different websites we talked about earlier that'll be in the show notes and especially that full-time families group on Facebook is a really good place to start thinking about the road schooling lifestyle and seeing what other people are doing, the kind of questions they're asking and sort of dipping your feet in the water there. And on that, Jason, do you have a brain teaser for us this week? I do. It goes like this. Not left nor right nor up nor down, but in between I hunt for the crown. On one shade alone, I run my course, and my worth is roughly that of a horse. What am I? <laughs> <laughs> if you know the answer, because I don't, you can email us at editor at rvmiles.com, or you can find us on social media and slide into our DMs that way too. Otherwise... Answer will be next week and we will all learn together. All right. <laughs> That's it for this week. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. If you are enjoying the podcast, of course, like we say every week, we would really love it if you would share it around your next campfire or just share it on your social media as well. Jason, do you have anything you want to add before we sign off? 
keep logging those RV miles. It's a backwards episode. It's a backwards episode. <laughs> Have a great week, everyone. Bye, everybody. <laughs>